This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. Yeah, that was a tough one. I That one was a tough one. And we've waited a few days to get this episode out. And we'll make it worthwhile for you as we have some great guests to recap everything with. Max Brown from the Pac-12 Network is going to break it down in the second segment. And my buddy from Sportsline, Alan Bell, who is the uh, from uh, the co- Sportsline College Football Show that I'm on, as well as other shows that I do with him on YouTube. Uh, he'll be on picking uh, games with us for a terrible slate of week three <laughs> of the college football season. But Shane, we're going to start with a new segment uh, before buy or sell. And that mm. is a, a new feature, we'll call it. And it's called Shane's Standouts. So let's give us the good news, the players that you appreciated yeah. In week two against Mississippi State. Well, first of all, I'd like everyone to know this was all Eric's idea. This was not my my way of getting, you know, like a vanity thing. So, but I appreciate it. And then we're going to have fun with it. Uh, as far as a standout, uh, standouts from the Mississippi State game, got to start with T-Mac. Uh, he has been every bit as good as advertised since he came to Arizona. Uh, eight catches, 161 yards and a touchdown. Had that big catch and set up a touchdown right before the end of the first half. And he, if he had tiptoed a little bit better down the sideline late in the game, he might have had a second touchdown to put Arizona ahead late. But I think he bulked up a bit in the offseason, and I think that's been paying off for him. So uh, he's been fantastic. By far, Arizona's best receiver this season. Uh, on defense, uh, Martell Irby set the tone early with four tackles on the first possession, including a forced fumble. Uh, and, then, uh, uh, and then also – uh, hello, Justin Flo, tied with mm-hmm. Jacob Manu for a team high 12 tackles. Good to see him getting involved, even though he's still not listed as a starter, but I think that's going to change soon. And then the last guy I'll mention is Tyler Loop. You know, college kickers get a bad rap and deservedly yeah. so. It's its own yeah. hashtag, college kickers. Mm-hmm. But he came in with a few seconds left and very calmly drilled. And I mean, I mean, drilled a 36 yard kick uh, that sent the game to overtime. Not easy in that situation and environment. And not. Tyler Loop has made 32 of his 35 field goal attempts at Arizona. Yeah. He's one of the most reliable kickers in the game right now. And it's nice not to have that part of Arizona's game be a concern for a change because it's been such a long time uh, since we've had the, that luxury. So those are the guys that I'm, I'm mentioning for the initial uh, Shane standouts. We're calling it right. Shane's standouts. Shane standouts. We'll do I like the alliteration. I enjoy it. We will do that every week going forward for a while. I kind of like it. Well, while there's sports being played, well, you can highlight it doesn't matter the sport. You want to go football? You want to go other sports? Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you know, that. then I'm going to really quickly mention Hope Heisey. Hope Heisey, the goaltender for Arizona soccer. Uh, she was the Pac-12 uh, player of the week. Uh, she is one of the best athletes on campus right now. I know the soccer team doesn't get the kind of attention that other, the other programs do. But she, uh, like Jacob Cowing or Michael Wiley, she could have left. She decided to come back for one more year, and she's been phenomenal. So I, 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 I was – Interpreting this as football only, since we're talking mostly football in the first segment, but I definitely want to mention her since I you've given me permission to do so. As we go along throughout the year, we'll probably put it in the third segment after football season. But for now, you know, what the heck, we'll do it right sure. off the top. Shane's standouts. There it is. All right. Now it is time 
for what you all have been waiting for. It is Buy or Sell, which is presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to iceshaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C. You can get one of those beauties that Shane is holding up on the YouTube stream or is beh- that is behind us. And Can't the really Twitter slash X stream as well. We're, we're, we're doing that stream too. That That is correct. Yep. And you can, so use promo code Wildcat Country, get $5 off or go to fanatics.com and get yourself an ice shaker. All right, Shane, number one in a lengthy buy or sell. Yep. Let's get right to it. We know Arizona lost 31-24 in overtime, but the replay review overrule at the end of the game was clearly the wrong call. Buy or sell? Well, let's start with this. That play was not the play of the game or even the play of overtime. Arizona missed a big tackle that would have put Mississippi State in a third and long situation on their overtime possession. And then two plays before the play you're talking about, Jaden Delora missed a wide open Jacob Cowan, who yes, had no one near him and nope. could have and maybe he could have scored on the play. Correct. But as far as the play you're talking about, was Delora probably short of the first down? Yeah, he probably was. Was there enough to overturn the call? I think it was very close. My my intuition as they were reviewing it was they probably will overturn it um, just because I felt like there was probably just enough. And, you know, it, even though it shouldn't matter, it does matter where you play. Uh, and yep. I think that factored in. So put it this way. My initial reaction when the call was overturned wasn't anger at the official, but disappointment that Arizona didn't make enough plays earlier in the game, including in overtime, to win because they had plenty of chances. All right. That's one of us. We can, we're going to talk about the five turnovers. We're going to talk about all the missed opportunities and whatnot. But Shane, this is a case of, do I think Delora was short? Yes. What was the call on the field? The call on the field was first down. Yeah. There was not enough evidence based on the camera angles to overturn that call. As far as I'm concerned, that is a hometown overrule. They did not. I mean, that is in, I don't know where the referee crew was from. That was a hometown call. I will never be able to be convinced otherwise. Is the, did they get the call right? Probably. Well, but, see, but that's the thing, though. You, you, the field, you and you, I, you and I both agree that it was probably short. So why can't but, the official come to the same conclusion? But Shane, here's the thing: if it was called short on the field, and they said, you know, the review stands or the call stands, I understand it. I yeah. get it. They called it a first down. I did not see in the replay enough. I mean, you can. There was not definitive evidence. He okay. looked short to me, Maybe. but definitive evidence. Maybe. That is I, a – if Arizona misses a bowl game by one game, that one's going to stink. Well, but here's the thing, though. I, I haven't spent the last few days stewing about that call, okay? And even if he had gotten the first down, Arizona still had a way to go. They had to score a touchdown. They had to get an extra point or go for two and then win sure. in the next overtime. So yeah. that wasn't like it was a two-point conversion to win the game, okay? Uh, if it, if it was, I, I'd probably be thinking about things differently, but it would have extended the game. And Jane Delora had thrown three consecutive incomplete passes before that play. So that's why I probably haven't thought about it too much. And again, it was probably the right call. Would, have, would it have been made in Tucson? Maybe not. I will concede that. And that shouldn't play into the, into the situation. We'll, we'll ask our I buddy. I haven't lost that. sleep about it. We'll ask our buddy, Alan Bell, that as an SCC guy. Yeah. In the third segment. Let's see what he thinks about that. All right. Number two, Shane, this one's, I mean, it's what we were all thinking. It's what we were tweeting. Mm. Uh, Jaden Delora limits Arizona's ceiling by herself. All right. Indulge me for a moment. One of my favorite movie scenes of all time is from the movie Rounders. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Damon's character is a lost. If you haven't seen it, Matt Damon's character is like, he's a law student, but his real passion is playing poker and he's very sure. good at it. Okay. Yeah. 
One night he meets up uh, at a restaurant with his uh, professor played by Martin Landau, who knows about his poker skills. And they sat down and the, and the professor told him about how his parents desperately wanted him to be a rabbi. He felt he had no choice but to become a judge because that's just who he was. And so basically he told Matt Damon's character, we can't change who we are. Basically telling him, hey, if you're a poker player, if you're a gambler, you need to go follow that path because that's who you are. Now, mm -hmm. that's a very unnecessarily long way of saying that Jaden Delora is who he is. He's mm -hmm. a gambler for better mm -hmm. or worse, as we saw, as we saw when he called his own number in that play before halftime. Imagine if that, that was terrible. imagine if that hadn't worked. Okay. As I mad as we were, was I mean, it looked like he was short at first. Well, it's a good thing they allowed a bush push. Yeah. Uh, in, because the Arizona's offensive line saved him. Uh, if that doesn't work, I mean, that was yep. so boneheaded. Mm. I no timeouts left. Yeah, no time. Awful. There's a, yeah, but awful. yeah. Now, Delora, Jane Delora is he is capable of avoiding turnovers. He only threw nine interceptions his first year as a starter. Yeah, and well, he had uh, and he uh, had thirteen last year, which isn't awful. It's about one per game better than he's doing this year. But he is a man who is going to take chances. Who's going to probably try to do too much sometimes. And that's just who he is. And unfortunately, of all the problems that Arizona's had in its first two games, they haven't had a lot, but they've had some. I think that's the only one that can't be corrected because, yes, he's capable of making better decisions, and I expect him to going forward. I'm sure Jed Fish does as well. But he's not capable of changing who he is for better or worse. So I will say I will buy that it is still the biggest concern for me going forward. No, for the he, he limits. He, this is an easy buy. He limits Arizona's ceiling when he plays as reckless as he does. Mm. I mean, he can be a fun football player to watch. Watching him avoid sacks, fantastic. But I'll tell you what, Shane, he is so it, unnecessary. And at yeah. some point, at some point, I believe that Jed needs to give uh, Noah Fafita a look. I mean, you, at, at, with four interceptions, what – I was shocked that Jed and, and to Jed's credit, he didn't pull the trigger. No, I, I'd seen enough. Yeah. At some point, you can't. Arizona has a gauntlet of a schedule coming up, Shane. Mm -hmm. I think it's like seven ranked teams in a row, something like that. If, if they, as it stands now, you can't have these turnovers against these against yeah. these good teams. If if, if Arizona is trailing in the second half against UTEP, and Jaden Delora is partly partially responsible for that. I could see Jed making the change, but even then I still kind of doubt it. I think he's so committed to Jaden Delora that it might take another couple games like that for him to consider naming a new starter. But yeah, everyone was thinking, give Noah Fafita a shot in the first half. And Delora played well most of the rest of the game. He still made some mistakes. Uh, so we know he's capable of playing very well. But it's been four games in a row now, Eric, going back to last year where he just has not looked very good. No, he, and yes, since, that's a concern. Since UCLA, Shane, he was terrible against Washington State. He was okay against asu mm. he was decent against nau mm. uh and he i mean had his great moments and his poor moments against mississippi state but i'll tell you what I, i'm getting to the, let me put it this way and maybe i will eat these words later on and so be it i am looking forward to see what arizona does at the position regardless of Jaden delora's eligibility next season how about yeah. that oh yeah for sure you know we've heard matt moreno tell us how good demond williams is You've got Noah Fafita. You've got Braden Dorman. Yep. I, I I am excited to see what that looks like. I, it will be, I, I think my patience with Jaden Delora is running thin. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah. I, I'm sure I'm not the only one on that one. All right. Uh, number three, Arizona showed more in defeat on Saturday than they did in a blowout win against NAU, in your opinion. Yeah. 
On defense, yes, absolutely. Uh, still some stuff to clean up, and they've only forced two uh, two turnovers so far this season. But they're light years beyond where they were last year. Our friend yeah. uh, Blair Willis noted that Arizona is allowing uh, 2.06 fewer yards per play this year, hmm. which is the sixth biggest improvement in FBS from last year. It's early, but yeah, I yeah. get that. No, it's good. Yeah, but, but I mean, a lot of, most teams have played like a decent team and a bad team so far. So it's, it's I mean, it's a bit apples to oranges, but it's maybe more apples to apples than you might think. Now, I wish Arizona had three or four Bill Nortons because the guy's a problem. He's he, a beast. He, he's the one who forced that holding penalty that went against Mississippi State in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Arizona would have had a chance to get to hold him to a field goal if not for that missed tackle. But uh, again, Jacob Manu continues to look good. Martell Irby made some big tackles. Justin Flo had his coming out party. Hopefully we'll see him on the field a bit more going forward. I will mention that the run game was a bit disappointing. And I think Mm -hmm. part of that is because of an incomplete offensive line, which is still missing Raymond Polito. And I think that had a bit of a ripple effect in the game. I think it hurt their ground game, which led to more passes, which led to more interceptions. Uh, That was about two to one pass to run ratio uh, compared to the NAU game where it was about one to one. So I'm excited to see what the offense can do when their offensive line is whole. And hopefully we'll see that beginning this weekend against UTEP. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a team that went on the road uh, in SEC country for the first game uh, against uh, on the road that far east, uh, I believe, since 2006 when they got blown out. Poor Willie Tuitama got his head beat in against LSU. This was a team that turned the ball over five times, uh, lost the turnover battle by four, and almost won this game. Yeah, yeah I, I they showed me a lot. It's kind of the opposite of the ASU game last year because they won yep. the turnover margin five to one last year and still yep. they needed all of them to win. And it was kind of the other way around, but which is a good sign that they've, they progressed at least on defense. Uh, the defense oh, I thought Arizona's kept... defense was, was great. I yeah. mean, it, they were starting on short fields part of the time. Right. I also right. thought Mississippi state's game plan was poor. You know, they could have run the ball. That's the one concern I had out of it is that they could have run the ball with Jaquavius marks all the way down Arizona's throat. And then yeah, yeah. they, they kind of did, but then they, did. I mean, Will Rogers only threw like 19 passes, which was weird. I mean, the mm. game plan was just weird to me. Definitely not Mike Leach's offense anymore. No, uh, Mike Leach would not have been happy with with that offense. Let me <laughs> tell you that. I don't think Mississippi State is that good. Uh, I but I thought Arizona played pretty darn well, all things considered, despite the turnovers. Um, and that one that one stings a little bit. That one's going to sting uh, for a few weeks. Uh, I want to see Arizona bounce back against UTEP. Got to beat Stanford. I mean, that's that's your swing game of the year. Yet you, you have to start three and one be. before the seven. Um, currently ranked teams in a row uh starting with washington on the 30th but uh that's a game that hurts uh to lose but they still showed us something all right uh number four shane uh anything short of a massive blowout against utep would be a harbinger of bad things to come for this team i think it depends on how it would happen you know i think we get too caught up in score margins sometimes um i mean obviously for gambling purposes it's a big deal uh like that oregon texas tech game which i know we're going to talk about uh yes arizona show should win easily uh, and I think they probably will. UTEP is not a good team. They lost to uh, Rich Rod's Jacksonville State team in week zero. They got blown out last weekend by a Northwestern team that's dealing with a lot of turmoil and, and is just hasn't they hadn't won a game in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, UTEP's actually pretty good up front on both sides of the ball. They have a lot of experience there anyway, and they have a respectable run game. But their quarterbacks have combined for five interceptions, so there could actually be an opportunity to win the turnover battle or at least pull even. Uh, even if Delora makes a couple of mistakes, they UTIP might return the favor. But yes, I expect Arizona to win. I expect, and, and I think they will win handily, but I'm going to keep a closer eye on how they do it and how certain guys perform okay, versus sure. caring more about the final score and whether they cover the spread. Cause I'm not going to okay. bet on the game. 
Well, I mean, I, I probably will. I think this. I think the line at seventeen and a half is late. I just gave away my pick in the third segment. All right, you That's, guys. Will I listen. think we both did. Yeah, Arizona has to blow them out, and Arizona has to look the part. Northwestern beat Northwestern, a team that had not won since last year in Dublin, and then they hadn't won on this continent uh, in almost two years. Yeah. They beat this team by thirty-one last week. Mm-hmm. Rich Rod's Jacksonville State team, team that was an FCS last year, Shane. They beat this team. By yep. three in week zero. You got to put it on them. There is no excuse this weekend. You I, light up the scoreboard. I want to see Jaden Delora out in the third quarter. I want to see Noah Fafita. And I want to keep chucking and ducking with those backup receivers. Well, hopefully if, if Delora's out by the third quarter, it's because they're up by a lot. <laughs> right. No, I know. I, I, right. And, and hopefully no turnovers. I don't want to see turnovers. I don't care how good the lines are for them. No yeah. turnovers. Yeah. And the defense, you know what? You, this team should not score more than 17 against you. There's no excuse for giving up more than 17 against yeah. Utah. They stink. I mean, they are a bad, bad football team. They are one of the 25 worst teams in the country in, in oh, yeah. FBS. If yeah. not, if not, and that and that may be saying ranking them too highly. They stink. They did they did beat Incarnate Word by two touchdowns. Whoop de do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? You know who went to Incarnate Word was Cam Ward, the Washington State quarterback. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, you put it on UTEP. You, I, 62 to 10. Then we'll be happy on this program next week, previewing the Stanford game. All right. One last thing before we go to Max Brown in segment two. I, I mean, we're going to go down this road again, but you have to. So Tommy Lloyd just can't help himself. He scheduled the final four team, Florida Atlanta. I know. In Las Vegas. Are you Listen Okay. To- are you okay, or Shane? Listen to the schedule. It's not conference schedule. Yeah, at Duke on November 10th, Michigan State and Palm Springs on November 23rd, Thanksgiving, Wisconsin on December 9th at home, Purdue on December 16th in Indianapolis. Four days later, Alabama in Phoenix. Game will probably be at three days after that. A Final Four team, FAU, uh, in Las Vegas. I mean, Tommy's crazy, but this is going to be listen. You know how I feel about this. I'm not going to harp on it this time. This is going to be so much fun from a fan's perspective and from a Wildcat Country show perspective to talk about these games. That week in December, when, I mean, who knows if Arizona will be playing football at that point, maybe in a a lower-level bowl game. Maybe. But you have three, probably three-ranked teams, Purdue, like Mm. essentially a road game, Alabama, essentially a home game, and I guess kind of a home game against FAU somewhat in Vegas. That is insane, Shane. What are you afraid of? Losing? One and six, one and five, whatever that yeah. is. That's what well, I'm afraid of. Well, say they go, I mean, one and five. No, that's not ideal, but it. say they go three and three, which I think is realistic with the, with the roster they have. Yeah. Their, their net ranking is going to be pretty good coming out of that because they're playing some good teams. And it's going to prepare them for actual play. And it's going to prepare them for March. The only thing I wish is that they, they play these games later in the season. Like they switch the, the conference, the non-conference schedule. Because, yeah, right. Because I, I love being able to, to have them run that gauntlet going into the tournament because it's going to prepare them some more, you know, for, for powerhouses like Princeton. Uh, I, I just, but no, I, I, I love it. I think even Lou Dolson would blush at this schedule uh, because, you know, he, he always, um, created tough non-conference schedules uh, for, for his teams. Uh, Sean Miller preferred not to, to do, to do that very often. And I think he, he did, he had some, but he kind of sprinkled a couple in uh, per year. Um, but no, I, I love it. I, I think that the, the more good teams you can play earlier in the season, the better. And if they get punched in the mouth a couple times, so be it. They'll learn from it and they'll move on. You know, we, we think about the fall as football, 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 but 
I mean, November and December are going to be wild. Yeah. I mean, from an Arizona Wildcats sports fans perspective, holy cow, it is going to be crazy. I mean, January and February are going to be tame compared to what we saw in November and December. It's, I mean, especially December, four games against, uh, you know, at this point, you go three and three in those games. I will, another time I'll probably eat my words and say, good job, Tommy. I'll take it. This will, this is battle testing your team. That's for sure. Wow. He just, it's exciting. And next year, I guess the battle of Atlantis, they're going back to that again. Yeah. We talked about that. Do you remember Eric when uh, Arizona made it into the tournament in Russ Pennell's year as a 12 yeah. seed, and everyone yeah. lost their minds thinking they didn't yeah. deserve to be in? The reason they got in, and it was RPI at the time, not net, is they actually had six RPI top 50 wins. The other teams that were considered it, where they were kind of in the mix allegedly, had like two or three combined. Okay. So you play someone, you play someone, and they beat a couple of them. You know, they had a neutral site win against. Uh, I think it was a Gonzaga. They had a win over Kansas uh, and, and they had beat UCLA a couple of times. So you, you play somebody and you get credit for it. If you lose, it, it's not going to hurt you. If you win, it boosts you big time. And again, I, I like the, the, the idea that this team is, especially with so many new faces, is going to be battle tested. It's going to help them going into conference play where I think they probably would be at this point be the favorite to win the conference. Uh, and it's going to help them in uh, going into the March uh, health permitting. So I like it. Get ready. Hold on to your seats. This next six months is going to be wild, to say the least. Coming up next, Max Brown from the Pac-12 Network going to break down everything and anything Arizona Wildcats football here on Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? It's Robbie G, baby, and I am gearing up for a big year with Coach Jed Fish and excited to see what the Arizona Wildcats do this football season. And just like the football team, we stepped up our program as well with the official licensed U of A ice shaker, baby. Check it out and get it at fanatics.com. Bear down, Arizona. Let's go. Shane, it's been a long time since we've had our buddy Max Brown on the show, so we're glad to have him back previewing Arizona UTEP and all everything Pac-12. Uh, Max is a former quarterback at USC and Pitt, Pac-12 network analyst. And this weekend, unfortunately, instead of being in Tucson, he's calling a game in the Rose Bowl with UCLA against a team that they probably should not have scheduled from FCS. I think it's North Carolina A&T, if I'm correct, Max. Is that right? North Carolina Central, who just beat Central. North Carolina A&T. So a little, the old, they, and they beat Jackson State to finish our season last year. So they're, they're not messing around. Hey, I'll tell you what, you're getting the big games. Uh, hey, listen, you're at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> who, who can argue with that? All right, first question for you. Uh, there are eight. There are currently eight Pac-12 teams that are ranked. From what you've seen of Arizona thus far, what would you? What percentage would you put them as a bowl team, based on what you've seen uh, from them and in the conference thus far? Yeah, JB Long and I, my play-by-play uh, announcer, and I were talking about this. Arizona's roster is no doubt a bowl-caliber roster. Period. That being said, wins are going to be much more difficult to come by this year in the Pac-12. And I said this in the offseason. Even Arizona can go 5-7 and seven again this year and be a better football team. And I'd go as far as saying a noticeably better football team, a significantly better football team. But I just think wins are going to be really hard to get by. And so um, I do think they will become a bowl, uh, a bowl team. I think the Mississippi State win, that's the type of win that you're like, man, I wish we could have got that because we don't know exactly what's going to have in store for uh, – for us in conference play. But I think, I mean, Arizona is the type of team that's going to steal 
still one from one of the big dogs. Um, I feel fairly confident saying that and then grind out the, the rest of the wins, I think, to get to that, uh, get to that six one mark. Eric will tell you, Max, you, you said exactly what I've been saying about this team five and seven, and it could be better because the rest of the Pac-12 collectively uh, has improved and Arizona's schedule is tougher this year. By the way, you're the second uh, Pitt alum we've had on in the last month with along with Mark May. So uh, we've got a there we go. Love we got it. a we got a Pitt thing going. So uh, Max, as a former quarterback, we've got to ask about Jaden Delora. Uh, the talent's obviously there, thrown a lot of picks. Arizona fans are not not thrilled with his performance the first two games and really going back to last season, he struggled a bit. Your overall thoughts on him and just knowing him as you do, does he have a real chance to limit the turnovers going forward? Yeah. I mean, I've been on record at least last season, last season saying Jane Delora was the most underrated quarterback in the country. And that's not even just because I'm on this, on this podcast. I, I really think his game when he's on, I mean, he's right up there. Maybe not at a Caleb Williams, Michael Penix level, but he can be at a Bo Nix type of level. He can be at a um, even a Cam Rising, especially. I mean, yeah, even at a Cam Rising level, I, I feel confident saying that when he's at his best. Obviously, last week the turnovers were tough, and I did like what Jed was, was saying post game, and I think there's a lot of credibility in that. In that, you know, some of those interceptions are bang bang interceptions, and you commend his ability to come back later in that game and come up with some big time throws. I would say most quarterbacks, if you throw three picks in the first quarter, you go into a cocoon, you, you shell up and you are going to have a bad game. And that's just the nature of the beast for Jaden to battle back and give himself a shot. And the gutsy QB sneak, which I don't even know if Jed was on record. I don't even know if that was called or if that, that was, was Jaden's call. Yeah. And that was that, like, and, but, but Max, that that's gutsy if it works and it's stupid if it doesn't. Right. Exactly, exactly. But it speaks to his wiring and it speaks to the answer to your question of like, you almost just have to accept that you have to accept that there's going to be games where Jaden might lose you Mississippi State, but there's going to be a game just like in the Rose Bowl last year where he goes and beats UCLA for you. And I think that's the challenge for Jed of trying to find that fine line of the turnovers. I would imagine Jed likes the fact that he's being aggressive and it's very much Hey, on this play, it was tight here. Take the check down here. That's what I see the most with Jaden Delora, especially with Michael Wiley coming out of the backfield. Check the ball down, even if it's four yards, move on to the next play and, uh, and move forward there. Yeah, and all their receivers can catch the ball too. So you know, the, the check down should be an option regardless of who's in the backfield. Uh, let me ask you about the rest of the team. Uh, collectively, on either side of the ball, what did you like from what you saw against Mississippi State? I like where Arizona's at um, from a – I feel like I feel their front seven a little bit more um, with Bill Norton there in the middle and Uyungale having some big plays. It felt like in years past for, for at least the first two years with Jed and, uh, as the head coach, felt like Arizona was just trying to hang on defensively and really just like, all right, who's going to be that body in the interior? Who's going to be the guy that – do we have someone that we can even just place in there? And I, I know it wasn't perfect versus Mississippi State, but I feel like there's plays and there's signs that, hey, they have some beef in the middle. Hey – they have some plays in there. They have some players. I, I like the linebacker room for Arizona. I was expecting to like the linebacker room going into the season. Um, so a good sign there. And then um, offensive line-wise, again, not a surprise, but I think you feel confident with that group. I know Morjan, uh, I believe, started at right tackle, so you're tapping into a little bit of that depth and how thin that group can be. But uh, I think up front, I noticed it a little bit more than I did last season, which I think is promising uh, moving forward this season. Max, somebody who travels around the Pac-12 and knows the conference better than than most, I I, I want to ask you about Arizona's running back and wide receiver room. I think personally that they are among the top three or four units 
if you were to combine those uh, in terms of depth and in terms of talent uh, in the conference? Would you agree with that? Three or four, yeah, for sure, definitely. I mean, uh, they have a better running back than than Washington at this point, but I guess maybe slightly worse receivers. I, I said in August that the Arizona the Arizona starters do not take a back seat to anyone in the conference uh, at receiver. I think I would amend that. I'm pretty impressed with what the boys in Seattle are doing, um, and I think USC has the depth that. Uh, is right there up uh, right there with them maybe not their starters like starters wise mcmillan and cowing that one two punch is uh is you know as as good as again it's right there i, I like i like the boys in seattle but uh, i think the wiley element is is not insignificant um i don't think there's a a ton of premier backs in this conference and um we were on with uh brendan carroll for our coaches call two weeks ago and he says hey this guy's gonna make an nfl roster like last year we weren't exactly sure what we've seen this fall, this guy's going to make an NFL roster. And I don't think many people in the conference are thinking that way. Um, but I- I'm sure defensive coordinators are watching saying, yeah, that dude's a stud. Let's talk about Colorado for a second, because in the preseason, I predicted them to go five and seven and took a lot of heat um, from Arizona people telling me I was an idiot. I didn't know what I was talking about. I still think eventually they're a pretender. Are they a contender or a pretender in your book? <laughs> Such a loaded question, right? Because I was in your camp. I was very much in the five and seven camp to start the season. And so, and I would, I would say I feel extremely confident to flip that. And if not, uh, make it a, a nine win team and up there, which is like ludicrous if you would have said that two months ago. But when you go on their schedule, they can stay healthy, which is obviously the question for everyone. I think they have enough firepower to, to one, compete in every single game, but two, like win and be favored in a lot of these games. Um, and so, are they a contender to win the conference title? I do not think so. But are they going to have momentum heading into November where it could – or I guess they got to get through USC and Oregon. But I don't want my comment to be prefaced as like, oh, wow, Colorado's a pretender because they were so – like the expectations were so low that I do have to tip my cap to everything Coach Prime's done because it's way better than I thought two months ago. But do you like the approach that he's taken with the roster overhaul? Or as a former player, are you saying this is ridiculous? I could, can't wait to couldn't wait to get out of this place if I were there before. I mean, the reality is he's winning, and so I I, I tip my cap to it. I mean, I, I really do. I think he had a job to go in there, and this is the new age of college football. So I don't really. I mean, my old head coach Pat Narduzzi was very much on record being like, um, "I hate this and all that." I get where he's coming from. Pat's built a program on Pitt in, in terms of a certain type of dude, but that's not the that's not the hand that Colorado was dealt. And so I don't blame Coach Prime for doing it. And the reality is, I bet to a man in that locker room, those boys are fired up. Those boys are excited. Those boys are pumped that they're winning. Those they're they're excited to have a totally different um, trajectory of their program. And so I'm sure inside, it's all good. It's all excitement. And to that, I commend it. And I think it's a slippery slope five, 10 years down the road in terms of what does this mean for college football at large uh, in terms of graduation rates, in terms of where guys' futures are at. Not naive to that. But from a college football lens, um, from a winning lens, if I was a head coach, shoot, if I was a head coach hired tomorrow, I would take a hard, strong look at every single thing Coach Prime's doing. No doubt. No doubt. And, and Eric, with your permission, I'm going to bring it back to Arizona now, since we're an Arizona Wildcats podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, l- let me uh, l- let's 
quick preview of UTEP. I'm not sure how much you know about them, Max, but long story short, they're not very good. They got blown out uh, at Northwestern, a bad Northwestern team last weekend. Just based on what you know about Jed Fish and this team, how do you expect them to respond at home against UTEP this weekend? I expect them to blow the doors off of them. Uh, I mean, especially offensively, um, starting fast. The game I had uh, opening week, drive right down the middle of the field, right, right down the field, score a touchdown, and then you kind of let off the gas. And then week two, you go down there and you walk away thinking you should have had your first uh, road SEC win ever. And so I'm sure there's going to be frustration. There's going to be a level of urgency with this team that I think it's time to get rocking and rolling before conference play. And uh, yeah, I expect it to be a high scoring game, high scoring game, defense to show out. And again, it feels like and this is how the you guys felt it. This is how it was all off season. People are sleeping on Arizona, and the loss to Mississippi State only um, only adds to that sleeping on Arizona because they're one and one, and they didn't they didn't get that win. And Mississippi State's obviously not Alabama or Georgia, but I'm telling you, Arizona is going because of their offense and the the, the defense being slightly better. Arizona is going to sneak up on one of these top five teams in the conference, if not more. But exactly, I mean, similar to what we saw last year with UCLA with the firepower of that offense. I'm sure I think this UTEP game. Gets back the momentum, gets back the confidence, heading into uh, heading into the conference play. All right, I got two more for you, Max. Um, we appreciate your time as always. I want to ask you about the new clock rules. Uh, most coaches don't seem to care for it at this point. I just want to get your perspective as an analyst and as a former quarterback. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I don't know who you guys have talked to. To me, it's kind of been a mixed bag. I've heard the Chip Kelly where he's pissed off and, and what is this? I've heard yeah. the Lincoln Riley where he's like, it doesn't matter to me. I talked to Cliff Kingsbury about some of the some of the logistic maneuvers we might have to make, but it doesn't matter there. Um, we talked to Jed, and Jed was kind of dismissive of it as well. I don't know if he's had further info, uh, further context to you guys. But to me, I, I still think it's a head-scratcher. I, I, I didn't feel like this was a rule that needed to happen. Maybe that's me being naive to how truly long ga- games are for fans, as I'm a media member and a former player. But to me, it was goofy. I felt like I noticed it the first time in the Utah-Florida game when Florida got the ball back down a touchdown with six minutes left, and that clock just disappeared. And I would imagine later on in this in this season, we're going to continue to have games like that where it's close in the fourth quarter, and you blink, and that clock is gone. And that, to me, is where I've noticed it the most. So I guess it's a long way of saying I was not in favor of it originally. Now I guess I'm just kind of like – it is what it is and it's kind of random and everyone's adjusting it and everyone's going to have to deal with it. And it's kind of a, so somewhat of a, somewhat of a, of a, of a non-factor now for me. It's still weird to, to watch the, cause you just as a fan, you expect the clock to stop after a first down and to see it. it's like, Whoa, Whoa, clock operator. What are you doing? Yeah. Slow down, keeps, slow down. Yeah, but they still stop it for the last two minutes of the, of each half. So at least there's, there's that. Uh, my last question for you, uh, and we could probably spend an hour on this, but just maybe in a, in one or two minutes, if you can, uh, Arizona's move to the Big 12, along with uh, Utah, ASU, and Colorado. Which teams do you think maybe benefit from that move, and, and is Arizona one of them? That is a great question. Um, I think that's a good question. I would say at first glance, I would have to imagine that Colorado disproportionately probably benefits the most of those schools because my sense is that the Arizona schools are always going to do the, you got to keep a a fence around the state of Arizona and that's always going to be their pockets. And then now maybe they tap more into Texas, but it'll be interesting to see the ripple effect because it's actually a fascinating topic because Arizona and Arizona state have prided themselves on getting into Southern California and, um, you know, making inroads there. And of course they're still going to have that. 
But I've made the argument that now that Washington, looking the other way, Washington was always in that spot of trying to fight for that third third Pac-12 school. You had USC getting the recruits. Then the past decade, you had Oregon. And it was always Washington fighting. When I was in high school, Cal was actually that third school. UCLA's made movement there. Most recently, Arizona State's made movement there. But by Washington getting the nod to the bigger conference, I would imagine the Huskies really clean house in Southern California with that next batch of guys. And so I say that in the context of Arizona is, is maybe this move hurts Arizona a little bit in terms of getting uh, getting L.A. guys. I don't think that's groundbreaking. It's not going to be groundbreaking because obviously the whole L.A. college football dynamic has completely shifted. So it impacts everyone. But uh, that's something to keep your eye on. I think I just think Colorado getting back to more of the Big 12, Texas, the state of Texas roots will help them. I felt like they were always in no man's land a little bit in the Pac-12 of they want to tap into L.A., but everyone's tapping into L.A. They want to tap into Texas, but they're not Big 12 and they're West Coast school. Where do we go from there? So I think Colorado has helped the most. Um, and the Arizona schools, it's all going to be about the state of Arizona. Mission to see. I'm big on like demographics, like as the state of Arizona continues to increase just in terms of population. That could mean the larger talent pool as we fast forward 10, 15, 20 years. So keep your eye on that. Um, uh, and Jed's already doing a pretty good job there, uh, landing some of the top guys out of Arizona. So. Totally, totally. And so maybe that uh, levels up in the years to come. Max, what do you think about uh, Cal and Stanford to the ACC? I mean, it just, to me, it's just so ridiculous and makes no sense. Would you agree with that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you in terms of uh, – yeah, it definitely makes no sense in terms of Athletic Coast Conference. I'm happy for them, though. If you were yeah. asking me, if you were asking me when all the news went down, I did not think that they would land a Power Five spot. Um, I actually, I was very pessimistic on that. So the fact that they landed in the ACC, I think, is a huge win for them. I think, and as as I feel like a lot of people in the, in our in our world are saying, I think there's another wave of this here in in, in five years, which maybe there's a, more of a more of a shakeup, but. Uh, it's weird, and I feel for Washington State and Oregon State, man. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in the Northwest. The biggest game for me every year was the Apple Cup, Washington State versus Washington. So hurt for those guys. But, again, hopefully in five years there's another another wrinkle where, who knows, there could be a shakeup where those Oregon State-Washington come into whatever the new, whatever the new landscape is there of, of a Tier 2 type of conference. All right, last question for you. Bold predictions. Will the Pac-12 have another Heisman Trophy winner this season? And will they have a college football playoff representative? Oh, Heisman Trophy winner. Do you like Pac-12 or the field? Um, I'm, I'm going Ma Michael Penix right now. As of before the season, even though I'm sticking with Penix. Sticking with Penix. Man, if I'm if I'm going into a sports book right now, which I'm not doing, let's get the record straight there. <laughs> but I, I still like Caleb Williams, man. Okay. Uh, right. This USC offense is stupid loaded. Um, but I mean, to your point, I like Michael Penix too. Bo Nick, Shadur. So I'm taking a Pac-12 quarterback to win the Heisman. Okay. Um, as far as a CFP, I got to be truthful with my gut. This feels like an absolute bloodbath of a schedule. I could see a two-loss Pac-12 champ. And when you have a weak Big 12 and a great Texas team, and you have a weak ACC and a, what looks like to be a very good Florida State, and you have three promising Big 10 schools, there's not a lot of dance partners out there. And I, my gut just unfortunately thinks that this is going to be a loaded Pac-12 year, a fascinating Pac-12 year. But I could see, I just I could see a world where the Pac-12 is on the outside looking in because of how deep this conference is and how, how much of a bloodbath the schedule is. No, no conference cannibalizes itself like the Pac-12 does. <laughs>
And this year's a whole different beast. We're like, you know, in years past, it was, oh, it's cannibalized, but you're losing to the team that can't even make a bowl game. This year, it's going to be ranked team versus ranked team, ranked team versus ranked team, more NFL type of type of mold. Max, great stuff as always. Really appreciate having you on. We'd love to talk to you later in the year. And I'm sure you'll call more Arizona games. uh, And uh, we really appreciate it once again. I hope so. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you having me on. Well, Shane, we finally add a new member to our Rolodex of guests on Wildcat Country, and he's one of my favorites. I am fortunate to have a chance to work with him on Early Edge and the Early Edge programming every week or every some days, some weeks every day. Alan Bell, the producer of Early Edge, among other things, you're a five-tool player, as uh, as Coach likes to say, and I am honored to be on as many shows with you, including the Wednesday College Football Show uh, that Sportsline produces on youtube ab welcome to the to wildcat country your first ever appearance gotta ask you you're an sec guy you live in nashville you saw what happened with the the end of arizona mississippi state was that a bad decision to reverse the call on the field and end the game all right so first off i appreciate you guys having me man all right second look i went and got tacos and i'm with Tacos, EC, and Shane. You can't beat that at all. That was a shameless plug just for tacos in general. No real brand whatsoever. And yeah, dude, it was horrible. Look, should have won that game. All right. Honestly, should have won that game. Like, and I say that as no, like I didn't agree at all. Right. Like, dude, I, I was frustrated for you. I was frustrated for all Arizona fans because I mean, you go through, deal with that, go on the road, right? Outplay. It just, mm-hmm. It's tough. Like it's but, tough. But, and I didn't hear you guys' thoughts on it. Like, not to, you know, send you in, you know, a well, 30 minute diatribe. But yeah. Well, and my, my my thoughts really summed up are there are so many other plays that impacted the game. Yeah. Uh, including, you know, those five pesky turnovers that, you know, if Arizona had uh, had avoided a couple of those, they probably would have won in the in regulation. So well, but, but Shane, it's the last play of the game, as we discussed earlier. It's the last play of the game. You yeah. you call it one way on the field. Now I know what the replay looked like. But was there a definitive angle? Yeah, agreed. that is, and that's the issue that I have. If that was in Arizona Stadium, do you think that calls overturned? That, that that that's a fair question. That's a fair question. AB, I, I if just, that if that call no. is it is in Tucson, it's not overturned, is it? No, dude, they no. they've got to get out of the parking lot and get home. Like they're not going to allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that that's bad. All right, well, we brought on AB to pick some games. Shane, you're uh, off to a uh, a little tricky start, just like last year. You know uh, what? I'm going to start flipping a coin after this week. Of, or either that, or I'm, I'm going to have my four year old come on and pick for me because <laughs> I don't cover this like you guys do. But I, I'm trying. My goal is to at least is be one game over 500 by the time we're done, and I am not off to a good start. All right. So I was six four and one last week. You were four six and one, and Barrett Baker was seven he three and it. one. Yeah, he did kill it. Now, uh, AB in week one, we had coach. Coach, not so good. Four and six against the spread. We have nine games to pick. So we'll start with this one. A team that we just discussed, Mississippi State, is hosting LSU, who is a 10-point favorite. Who you got? I'll go with LSU. Give me the 10 points. Like, I'll eat those for sure, right? And, yeah, I mean, LSU didn't start off the way that they wanted to in regards to that loss to Florida State. But you know what? I mean, Florida State's a really good football team. Uh, And I'm not taking anything away from Mississippi State at all. But, man, Brian Kelly knows what he's doing. Love him, hate him, however anybody feels about him. He's a good football coach. And, you know, we saw what LSU did the week after Florida State. Granted, it was against Grambling, so we don't take too terribly much away. But the fact that they scored 72 points, I mean, that's significant against anybody, right? Yeah, I'm going to roll with LSU here. I I think that that 
loss to Florida State kind of woke him up a bit. So, yeah, even though it's a lot of points, I'll still take it. Shane? Well, my uh, my rocky start to the season has actually motivated me to do some research. And as such, I've learned that LSU was 0-3 against the spread as favorites in conference play last season. Now, that was last year, but still maybe relevant. A lot of the same guys. Jaden Daniels is still there. Uh, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. You know, I think Arizona exposed some problems for Mississippi State, and I know LSU has some problem of it, problems of its own. But I think that loss to Florida State was more about the Knowles being college football playoff contender. So, uh, but with, even with that said, uh, I'm going to take Mississippi State to cover just because double digit uh, underdog at home. You know, those cowbells. You got to fear the cowbells, Eric. Yeah, well, Arizona didn't fear the cowbells too no, much last didn't. week, Shane. I was really unimpressed with the Bulldogs. I just. Okay. I, they look to me like a very average team. I think LSU romps. I was going to take Mississippi State at first. I heard AB's rationale. I was kind of on the fence. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? LSU wins this by at least two touchdowns. Just not impressed with Mississippi State. And if Arizona's not intimidated by cowbells, LSU won't be either. All right. And, so if you- we're, we're, Real quick. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you. I'm doing, I'm doing that to you like I do to coach here. Um, also, remember, after that loss, LSU, not that it's the biggest motivating factor ever, but it's something. They need to win style points every yeah, single true. week. So true. points matter. Like, they'll yeah. keep going 100% for sure. Shane, you want to change your pick based on that logic? I actually originally had LSU, and I'll probably end up regretting it. But, well, no, I I, I made it. I'll stick with it, and I'll go down with the ship. By the time this, this podcast comes out, uh, you can find the uh, Sportsline College Football Show on YouTube. And the first CBS uh, SEC game of the year is South Carolina at Georgia, and Georgia's favored by 27 and a half. Now, I know I'm going to disagree with A.B. on this one. So, Shane, I'm going to start with you. Who you got? Well, simple for me. You know, I picked South Carolina to beat North Carolina, and they made me look very, very stupid for that pick. Uh, Georgia has won every home game dating back to 2011, or, I'm sorry, 20, 2021, by at least two touchdowns, including a 27-point win over South Carolina two years ago. I think the margin's even bigger this time, so I'm going to take Georgia. A.B.? Yeah, so you know what? Hey, Shane, I'll tell you this, man. As a Tennessee guy here in the SEC East having to play Georgia every year, it feels like since 2011, dude. They're yeah. good, right? Uh, look, I'm going to roll with Georgia. I know it's a ton of points. That being said, this is how Kirby Smart gets down. I don't trust South Carolina as much. Look, they were on fire to end the season last year, beat the hell out of Tennessee, beat the hell out of Clemson, look good doing it, right? But – this is when Georgia starts to turn that thing on. And we talk about the last couple of years, that defense, it's a black hole. And once you fall into it, you do not get back out of it. And they keep running the football and using Brock Bowers, their Heisman candidate tight end. Give me Georgia, man. I'll tell you what, AB, I got two stats for you. I knew you were going to disagree here. Spencer <laughs> Rattler from the from Arizona here out in, out in the Scottsdale area, four and one straight up and against the spread against top 10 teams. I think you remember mm. the end of last year, what happened against Tennessee. That's number one. His only loss was against Georgia. By the way, Georgia 0-5 against the spread uh, when they're favored, when they've been favored in their last five games by more than 20 points. Yeah. Give me South Carolina with the backdoor cover at 27 and a half. I get 20, 21, 24 point game. Worst case. I like South Carolina. It's a double not so fast. It's, it's not a bad tra- like. It's not a bad strategy. Like it, that, that. It's so many ridiculous points. Like I agree. Like I, I even go with Georgia. I mean, obviously, but it's so many points, man. Like that strategy as a whole is probably pretty smart. So I'm with the other. 
one of the teams that Arizona gets to host late in October is Oregon State, who is on a roll and just demolishing teams right now. They are at home this weekend against San Diego State, giving away 24. After what San Diego State did against UCLA last week, that was such a debacle. I'm rolling with the 24, and I will take OSU minus the points. How about you, A.B.? Yep, 100%, man. I'm rolling with you on that one. Look, Beavers could score, man, and they could score often, and they'll keep doing it. I don't trust San Diego State at all. I tried to roll with them in, what, week zero, week one? I can't – just no good. I, I'm out. I'm out on all of it. Yeah, I'll roll Oregon State here because you're right. Dude, this team could score quickly. Yeah, I'll take them. Shane? Yeah, almost hand, every handicapper I looked up, including you guys now, is taking Oregon State, uh, which kind of makes me want to go the other direction. Hey, it's kind of scary. <laughs> but – that's probably because San Diego State can't score. Plus, Oregon State is, has covered the spread, I guess, nine games in a row now. Or, yeah, nine games in a row they've covered the spread. So I'll take the Beavers at home. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Washington is a 16-point favorite at Michigan State. The Huskies look unstoppable. Michael Penix, two 400-plus yard games, eight touchdowns thrown thus far. Shane, can Michigan State cover this almost you know, three-score spread? Insane. Yeah, I, I know Michigan State's going through it right now, and I really do like Washington this year, like we talked about. But this this line just seems a bit high for a game in in, in East Lansing, and and I I think a lot of times teams will. Yeah, I think back to when Mike Stoops was fired by Arizona in 2011, and Arizona uh, ran up the score against UCLA the next game. Sometimes teams rally in these situations in front of their home crowds. Uh, I don't think Michigan State is going to win the game, but I think they're going to find a way to cover, even though I really do like the Huskies this year. Only lost by 11 last year, A.B. What do you think? I'm going the opposite way, man. I'm going to Washington, one, because they're playing excellent football. But number two, you know, we look at what Michigan State is going through. And yes, there are times that when a coach is gone, whether it's fired, whatever, that locker rooms can, you know, kind of rally around it. This is not that, right? Like, they all love Mel Tucker. They, uh, This is not good. I think this locker room is going to be dead. I think this football team is going to be dead. They're not even thinking about the game. They're thinking about, one, their head coach who they love. Number two, how they transfer out and get into the portal and go somewhere else after this year. Mm -hmm. Dude, no, this is a bad combo. I'm all over Washington. Yeah, I am too. And I'll tell you what, we're going to see a lot of points in this game. Just giving away one of my picks on the sports line of college football show. A lot of points. Is anybody holding down Washington's offense? Not right now, and especially not Michigan State. Hey, and Michigan State scored 76 points in two weeks. Take the over. But I also like Washington big. All right, speaking of teams that are going to win big, Oregon's minus 37 against Hawaii. I mean, I guys, I don't have a lot to add here. Oregon dropped 81 in game one. The luckiest cover I've seen in a long time. Shane, I was about to bury you in the picks. And last you week. know, and you know what? Oregon <laughs> shouldn't have scored that touchdown. I no, he should have fallen down. He should have taken a knee. And then because Texas yeah. Tech had a chance to tie there at the end. He knew the line. He knew yeah. the spread. He knew that I was on the plus seven and a half. He knew that clearly. Yeah. I went what three and four and seven and three and eight last week. And if I it would have been worse if uh, if that hadn't happened. So I, I like Oregon Amazing. playing what 37 points here. What do yeah. you got, Shane? Yeah, simple for me. Uh, Stanford is awful, and they put up 37 at Hawaii. Okay, uh, the Todd Graham debacle sort of left that program in shambles. I think Oregon could score 70 in this game, so I'm going to go with the Ducks to cover. AB. Yep, I completely agree with that analysis. I'm going to roll with Oregon. Also, roll with the over. They could score as many points as many times as they want. I'll take the Ducks. I, I hate that I had to include that game in here, but the the slate is so thin <laughs> this week. Didn't have much choice. Had to include the Pac-12 while we're all still conference members. And speaking of while we're still conference members, it's kind of a joke that college game day is at Colorado. 
facing a Colorado State team who stinks. I mean, you couldn't pick a better game all season. Colorado laying 22 points against CSU. AB, what do you got? I'm going Colorado. Look, um, Dion's a heck of a coach. He gets these kids to believe, right? I mean, that's the largest thing in college football is that do you believe? That's why I'm I'm so fading Michigan State because they're in the complete opposite feeling right now. It's just horrible there. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to roll the Colorado. And I'll tell you what, um, we played last week the under, both of us, EC, in Colorado, mm-hmm. Nebraska. Well done yep. on that. We had the same rationale that yep. Colorado would come in on that high and have a terrible first half, and they did. You know what? That doesn't happen twice. If you're looking at betting something else, take Colorado first half with the points. They're going to come out on fire because they're not starting slow, and they'll keep going too. Yeah, I'll take Colorado 22. Dane? Yeah, as much as I want to be defined about the whole Deion Sanders spectacle, Colorado just beat Nebraska by 22 points at home. Washington State hung 50 at Colorado State a couple weeks ago. I think the Deion train will not derail, but maybe – slow down a bit at some point, especially when they got to play Oregon in a couple of weeks, but I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. So I'm going to take Colorado to cover. Just want to point out before we get to these next three games, AB on the show last week on the college football show, seven and one with his picks. So oh he's no slouch. If you're paying attention and you like to throw a couple bucks on the line, this is a guy to listen to. He's on a heater right now. Now he's also a Tennessee fan and they have their biggest early season game of the year at Florida in the swamp. All right, Shane, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Tennessee is laying seven points on the road. Tough environment. What do you think? Uh, I, I told you, I, guys, I did some research, so I got I got some some numbers. Florida is 0-2 against the spread this year, including the game I got wrong at Utah. And mm-hmm. Tennessee is 4-1 and against the spread as road favorites under Josh Heupel. So I'm going to take the balls to cover. All right, let me just say, before we get to AB, and we're going to let him go last on this one. So Florida backdoor to cover last year with two late fourth quarter scores. And by the way, against this number, now I know it's historically, Florida has covered this number in 18 of the night of the last 19 matchups. They're 18 and one against this number. Sorry, AB, I'm going Florida. I think Tennessee wins, but close. What are you picking? Actually, yeah. I know what you're picking, but let's let's hear the rationale for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, dude, and you're not wrong. Look, Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville in nine straight years, right? Like, it's been a while. The run that Florida went on against Tennessee, it has been long and it has been just awful. That being said, this Florida team is awful. I'm not buying into it at all. Don't like Graham Birds. I'm going to take Tennessee with the points. Also, if you're looking to play a side or looking to play a total, Play the under of 59. This number is way too high. Tennessee could get to 30 points. There's no chance that Florida's getting to 30 points. It feels like a 30 to 18 style of game. Take the under. Like, if you don't want to mess with a spread, 59 is a ridiculous number. There's going to be a lot of running the football. And this is not Anthony Richardson versus Hendon Hooker of last year. These are two completely different quarterbacks. Take the under. A lot of running in. Fair enough. All right. I like that. Now, Shane, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but AB is an honorary Wildcat just because last week on the show, he picked Oklahoma State to cover against ASU. That's why it was a no brainer to invite him on this week's episode. He knows what's up. So now Fresno State travels to the desert to take on, uh, you know, ASU, the ASU team who looked like crap and I believe lost one of their starting offensive linemen for the season. AB, I'll start with you. Fresno State laying three at ASU. What do you think? Oh, give me Fresno State all day long, man. And not just because I'm on this show. I said it last week on our show. 
I'm not buying into Arizona State at all. I understand week one looked good. Everybody was proud of themselves. Yeah, congratulations. I'm not buying into any of it. I think Fresno State, this number, we're getting it at three. I would have taken this number a few points higher. Give me Fresno State all day long. Bing? Yeah, I don't know if you saw any of the game, uh, the Oklahoma State game last weekend. Um, I watched the end of it, uh, the last possession that ASU had. Jade, well, Jaden Rashad didn't have any time to throw. Like he would step back, like take a three step drop, and like you have three or four guys run on top of him. Uh, he so he didn't look good against Oklahoma State. Fresno State's only recorded one sack this season, uh, and and ASU was owned, owned to against the spread, but. Uh, I'm going to be a mule because I picked ASU last week, and I was feeling pretty good about that pick at halftime. Uh, I'm going to take him again, just like I did last week. And even though you, you, I, my better judgment, you know, the, you guys are on a roll, and I'm going against the ca- two uh, pro cappers, including the people's capper. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take ASU. And look, hey, if I'm wrong, then I'm happy, right? That's kind of the perspective I have. <laughs> hey, that's a good, that's a good strategy. And yeah. dude, you're not lying about the first half last week either, right? Like, I mean, Oklahoma State was down quick. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what, uh, you know, what that start looks like. Dan, I'm so disappointed in you. But no, please, no comments on the on our YouTube pages. Oh, it's fine. Uh, or, or on, on X, Twitter, whatever it's called. It's fine. Be nice. Unlike the people when I pick Colorado to win five games. How's that looking, by the way, right now oh, after yeah. they go 3 and 0 this weekend? Even though I can't wait for Colorado to get, to get boat raced by Oregon and USC in the next two weeks. But that's beside the point. All right. Finally, it is. The game we've all been waiting for, uh, I guess, something like that. It's UTEP at Arizona. UTEP is terrible, as we talked about earlier. In How did game day not come to Tucson for this oh, game? Oh, I mean, I, you know, horrible. this one would have filled up campus. for, Or at least the big noon kickoff. Come on. Horrend- horrendous. Like, this is an opponent. It's embarrassing. You know, Shane, that uh, what I didn't realize is that, th- is that these two teams played in 2017 and Arizona dropped like 63 on them in the Sun Bowl. The game was so unmemorable. Brandon Dawkins was playing quarterback for Arizona. This was even pre-Khalil Tate. Yeah. That's how unmemorable UTEP games are. All right, A.B., can I get a score prediction? Arizona's laying 17 and a half points. Give me a score as to what you think uh, the Wildcats are going to do this weekend. Yep. All right, so we're taking Arizona with the points. All right, first off. Number mm-hmm. two, Arizona wins 52-20. to 20. I think this is going to be a massive blowout. I think Arizona can score as many times as they want to and – you know what? They will. They will take advantage of that buffet right in front of them of points in the end zone. Give me 52 to 20. I think it's a massive blowout here. All right, Shane, how about you? What do you think? So the Wildcats are 2-0 and against the spread this year, and you and Barrett uh, accurately did predict they would cover against Mississippi State. Uh, I think they'll cover here too, partly because UTEP likes to turn the ball over as much as Arizona does. That right there. Yep. yep. And while UTEP do- actually does have a pretty good and experienced uh, d- uh, defensive front, I think Arizona is going to have a bit more success running the ball than they did against Mississippi State. More balanced offense means fewer chances for Jaden Delore to throw the, throw the ball to the other team. I'll go uh, Arizona 38, UTEP 17. All right. That sounds like a good pick. Well, we're fairly close, Shane. I just don't see this game as being close. I It's an 8 o'clock game, and I know I got crap for this the other week, but I really would not want to stay the entire game. I'd rather it be a blowout and I can get back on the road. Guys, it's 8 o'clock. I won't be home till 1 in the morning if I have to stay all the way till the end. I don't want this to be close. It's fine if it's a Pac-12 team, but not UTEP. I can't even tell you what conference they're in. And what, the Sun Belt Conference? I, listen, I don't even know. They stink. They lost 38 nothing or 38-7 to in Northwestern last week. They were up 7 nothing. Gave up 38 unanswered to a team that had not won in North America in, in almost two years. Not a good sign. Arizona 44, UTEP 17. Because UTEP scores late in the fourth quarter to make it a little bit closer. 
going to be ugly, and we're going to enjoy it before Pac-12 play starts. AB, thank you so much for joining Shane and I. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'd love to have you on later in the season with a better slate of games to pick. Hey, fellas, I'm just thankful that you guys had me on. Had a ton of fun. Go Wildcats. Let's get it. Bear down. And want to thank our other guest, Max Brown, for joining us. You can hear him, as always, on the Pac-12 Network. So, for Alan Bell, for Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down.